Well, good morning again in Genesis chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking there this morning as we continue in an attitude of preparation. How many know your attitude makes everything ready for what you're about to experience? How your attitude is. In sports, they would say your game face. Uh, getting yourself ready in, in this place of preparation. If anything of value that you're preparing for, it, it is going to be something that you give effort and energy towards. And so we are, we're, we've been looking in this series, uh, all dressed in white, with this preparation to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. How many are looking forward to the day that Jesus Christ returns and our hope is made complete? Our hope is already complete in him, but just manifest and revealed as we spend eternity with Jesus Christ. No one knows the day or the hour that Christ will come, but the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is coming for his church. And we look at Ephesians chapter 5 as it gives us our theme verse. And, and uh, you don't have to turn there, but you can see it. That This is our theme verse for this series, All Dressed in White. It says that he, Jesus, Jesus did this. What did he do? He gave himself for his bride, for the church, that he might present to himself a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. There is a church that Jesus Christ is coming back, and I want us to be coming back for. And we recognize that we are holy not because of what we do. Holiness is not our pursuit. Holiness is what Christ has already done. We are made righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. We're not righteous. Holiness too many times becomes what we pursue. You do not become holy because you do things. You're made holy because of who you belong to. That we belong to Jesus Christ. We said this last week that our desire is not to get, our, our, our purpose is not to get God's attention. We don't pursue or live in holiness to get God's attention. We live in holiness because God got our attention. We're not trying to get God's attention. We're living the way that we live because God got our attention. One day he came in and arrested our souls. He got, a, got our attention and he turned our life. The, the old was gone and the new has come. There's been a transformation. And so we're looking at living in this place of being prepared every day, growing in that holiness. We, we should be coming more and more like Jesus Christ. How many know that's the pursuit of the believer is to become more like Jesus Christ? You know that today. That's your purpose. That's our goal. That's our purpose is to become more like Jesus. And the more we become like Jesus, how many know we become more holy? We walk in holiness. We walk in purity. Not in ourselves, but as we come into alignment with Christ, the more we grow in Christ, the more we become like him. And that is the, the, the purpose until the day that we see Jesus complete. In Genesis chapter 2, I want to take a look at this scripture. And uh, you can turn there this morning and we're looking at Adam. And we find Adam here is the first man in his original condition. And his original condition is he's single. God has just, the last couple days, created the light and said it's good. He created the, the land, said it's good. He created the plants, said it's good. He created everything around and he said it's good. And then he comes to Adam as he's standing in the middle of the garden and God says that's not good. In Genesis chapter 2, I want to take a look at this scripture. If you have your Bible, stand with me this morning. Or you can follow along on you version. If you don't have it, we'll have it on the screen for you today. But in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And all the men said, Amen. And all the women said, Amen, after it's not good for a man to be alone. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for Adam. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, closed up and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, at last, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The two are united into one. I want you to hear that today. The two are united into one. Father, I ask that you would help us to be prepared. God, that we would grow in our pursuit of you. Lord, that we're not trying to earn you, but God, we are pursuing you because God, you've already, you've won us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to draw closer to you. Speak to our hearts through this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to share this morning the title, All Tied in Knots. So before you're seated, find three people. One, two, three. Three people shake their hand firmly and look them in the eye and say, tie it tightly. Tie it tightly. Firm handshake. I don't want no Queen Elizabeth handshake. Tied tightly. Squeeze that hand. Don't hurt them. Tie it tightly. Now I'm watching some of you. That was more than three. I am in a place of 39 years of breathing, 32 years of following Jesus. 19 years of being a husband, 17 years of being a father, and five years of being the pastor of this wonderful church. You add that up, life experiences, things that I've gone through, things that I've learned, things that I've come across, and after all of that experience, I still do not know everything. I know you're shocked. I know you realize, and you're not, you're not shocked or in awe of that statement because you recognize not only is it true of me, but you know it of yourself that all that you've experienced, all that you've gone through, that you've not come to a place of figuring it all out. You've not come to a place of knowing everything. I believe this, that life is not enhanced by what we do as much as what we discover along the way. The reason I don't know it all is because there's still more to discover. There's still more to experience. Too often we live life with the purpose of finding a destination. We look for destiny. We look to arrive. We look at life as arriving at something. We do this because we see things would be better if I had this or this was going on and we identify a destiny how many know what I'm talking about we identify what we need as a place of being or as a place of arriving that if I would get to this place if I had this experience if I had this surrounding me if this destiny was in front of me then everything would be okay we live life according to destiny but what I found out is life is not about destiny as much as it's about discovery Because the moment it's about destiny, it's about destiny, I come to a place and I arrive. But when it's about discovery, I learn today what I need to do to arrive to tomorrow. 
Life in itself in a destiny can be summed up in this one word. When life is just about a destiny, the one word that can sum it up is this, dying. That's the destiny of life. Everything that we live and experience is moving to that place. We know that each of us are coming closer to a moment that we're going to breathe our last breath on this earth. Our destiny in itself is dying. Because if you arrive at a destiny, you have a destiny, that's all there is. But when you have a discovery, you're opening the door to something more. The destiny is all about dying, but discovery is all about learning how to live. Let me say that again. Destiny is about dying, but discovering is learning how to live. I don't know about you, but I'm still learning how to live this life that God has called me to. I'm discovering along the journey. If we quit discovering, we come to a place and say, it's finite, it's over, we're done. When I reach that place, I reach that place, and if I allow myself to have a destiny, I can come to an attitude that says, been there, done that, I got this all figured out. But the destiny, it destiny can leave me empty, but when I take on the approach of discovery, it opens up the door for something more. I believe this, that if we're gonna go where we've never gone before, we're gonna have to learn what we've never known before. If we're going to go where we've never gone before, we're going to have to learn what we've not known before. It's a discovery. God is teaching me in life's journey, and I'm coming to a place of understanding. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already arrived or achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I am pressing on. I'm not living life. With a destiny, I'm living life with discovery. Because when it's destiny, then I'm looking for something around me that when I arrive here, when I get there, when I when my finances become to this place, when I hit this moment, and we look for destiny, and when we always live on the outside, we reach that place. Let's say we reach it. And once you reach it, you're done. But if we come to a place of discovering, what we're saying is I'm learning today what I need to learn so I can keep moving on tomorrow to do what I need to do tomorrow. It's not about arriving at a destiny, but it's about continuing and coming across this discovery. I'm pressing on. It's a matter of discovery. I believe this, that too often we live our lives limited because we're focused on a destiny and God wants us to know life is not about a destiny but about discovery. Look at Adam. Here's the first man, and he's put in the garden. God creates Adam, the first individual. Eve, of course, is brought along later, but the story we just read says that God put Adam in the garden. He created everything. This is good. I got the the, the land. It's good. The plants, it's all good. It's good. He comes to Adam. That's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. God knew that Adam had a need. And Adam recognized, or Adam didn't even recognize, but God has has put him in a place. And what God says to him is that he has a job to do. But Adam in that first moment, notice this, his job was to name all the animals. But it wasn't about his job as much as it was his journey to discover something. How many know this, that God oftentimes wants you to learn what he already knows? God already knew, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. And so here's what the Bible says. God created the birds of the air, the animals of the the land, and all that were around. And God brought those animals to Adam, and Adam's job was to name them. And notice, Adam is naming and giving, he's identifying, this one does this, this one looks like that. And he puts names and gives description to each one. But look what it says at the end of verse 20. It says, but still, there was not a helper For Adam. 
Still, there was not a helper for Adam. Even in the midst of this process, here's Adam's job was to name the animals, but his discovery was to learn of what his need was. That God put this need and this desire, but he wasn't ready for it. He couldn't receive what God had for him until he realized his need. Now, I want to ask you this. Isn't it interesting or something to think about? God knew that Adam wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And how many know God already already knew the answer? But listen, God not only knew the answer, but God allowed Adam to discover what he really needed. Isn't it fair to say, God, you could have created Eve the same time you created Adam. You could have just done all this together, and this just all would have been fit. It all would have been done. It could have been done, but God didn't do it that way. Do you ever work on your kids' homework and help them? I hope you don't do your kids' homework for them. Why? Because how many know when you're helping your kids with homework, it's a lot easier to just say, that's the answer. Put the answer in there. But it's not about them having the problem solved. It's about them learning the process of getting to the answer. How many know what I'm talking about? The process is the value of it. God says, you've got a need, but God wasn't ready to answer the need until Adam understood his need. Because it's something premature if God gives you what you need before you even realize how much you need it. If God gives us something that we don't know or something that we have to realize that life in itself is all about this discovery and Adam came to this place, Adam said, it's not good for me to be alone. I can't find anything out here to be this helpmate. God already knew it. You know, the Bible says this, that God knows what you need even before you ask. God knew from the very beginning what your needs were. God knew what, your, what the purpose and what he had for you. But your life is all about discovering. Can I take some pressure off you today? Here's the pressure. When you live life in this perspective and think, I should have known better than this. I should be better than this. I should be over this. I should have arrived. I should have this all figured out. Somebody raise your hand if you've lived under that pressure of life. You know what God would say to you today? Listen, the pressure isn't for you to arrive to a destiny. It's not about you reaching a destiny. It's about you coming to a discovery. And God is allowing you to go through what you go through because he wants you to discover what you could not know without going through that process. Adam would not have known his need unless he went through naming God, you could have saved Adam a lot of work. You could, have, you could have saved him some time. He could have had a helper. It could have been someone helping him name them. You could have saved time. It would have been easier on him. I know what there are moments in life when you say, God, you could have kept me from that financial struggle. You could have kept me from that, that, that physical loss. You could have kept me from that situation. You could have healed me. I didn't have to go through that. My loved one didn't have to die. I didn't have to face this thing. We could say to God, God, if you were good, then why did these things happen? Why do you allow the stuff that goes on? in life and God says I am so good that I want you to know my goodness I want you to discover how much you need me it's not about you having your problems answered it's about you knowing that I am the God who has completed you and had made everything possible in you and you never know your need you never know what you need from God until you go through something and realize how much you need it You don't know what you need until you've gone through something and said, man, I really need that. Adam goes through this process and and God allows him in this this process to to experience. And and, and here it is. He, He knows how much he needs it. Do you know what happens whenever you know how much you need something? 
you tend to hold on to it a little tighter. When you know that you need this, oh, it's one thing, oh, yeah, I've got that. Oh, yeah, I have this. And you have it. But then it's another thing when it has you. Well, now it's I've recognized my need for and I'm connected to. That it's not just, oh, yeah. But now it's, no, that's my everything. You hold on a little tighter whenever you realize you've gone through something and you know how much you need it. Do you know how much you need God today? Do you know how much you need him? Because if you're just looking for God to bring you to your destiny, you might miss out that God doesn't want to just make you arrive at your destiny. He wants you to come to a discovery of how much you need him. How much you depend on him. How much you rely on him. How much he is your sole provider. That he lets us know that we need him. What Adam does when he comes to this realization and Adam comes to this place, God says it's not good for man to be alone. But then Adam came to the realization, I named all these animals, I named all this stuff that's around me, but even still, I've not found a helpmate. Adam said, I need a helper. And how many know the moment that Adam came to the place where he said, I need a helper, God said, I can do something about that. Listen to this. Some of us are asking God to fix a problem, and God says, that's not your problem. Your problem isn't just getting this done. We would say to God, God, if only, if only my finances looked like this, if only my spouse did this, if only this worked out, if only this was in place. We identify a destination, and we say, if only this would occur, then everything would be right, and we're looking for a destiny. But all the while, God's saying, I don't want to lead you into a destiny. I want to lead you into a discovery. I want you to see that I am your all-sufficient. I am everything you need, that your peace is not found when you get to a destiny. Destiny, your peace is because you are all wrapped up in me. You don't have peace because you arrive somewhere. You have peace because someone is holding your life together and you come to a place. The moment you get to that point and you recognize that you have a need, have you come to a place where you say, God, I have a need. There's something that I need in my life. And what happens when you come to that place? Some of us, we don't like being confronted with needs. I don't like recognizing my need. I feel weak. You've ever gone through something that you know you have a need and you can't fix it? Have you ever gone through a circumstance and you've done everything you can to fix it? You've done everything you can to make it work. You've done everything to make it turn out and you're just wore out. You ever been there? Notice what happens when Adam comes to a place where he says, I've got a need here. There's not one. God could have created Eve from the very beginning, but God waited till Adam saw, hey, of everything that's out here, I don't have, I don't have the help I need. And Adam, noticing this, what happens? The Bible says next that God put Adam to sleep. Now, I know we would look at this and think, oh, isn't that so nice? Uh, he rocked him and sung him a lullaby. And nice Adam, nice Adam. Do you know what I really believe? Adam went to sleep because you go to sleep whenever you recognize your need, but you also recognize you don't have it in you to fix it. Think about that. When you come to a place of tired, who has ever had so much energy and said, man, I've got so much energy, I drank so much coffee, I better go to sleep. <laughs> no, 
When do you go to sleep? You go to sleep when you say, I'm exhausted. I can't do anymore. I've done all that I can. I don't have it in me. Have you ever been at a life circumstance and situation and said, I don't have what it takes? You saw the need and you also recognize you don't have it in you. How many have ever been at a place where you knew something needed to change, but you don't have the strength to change it? You knew something had to happen, but you don't have what it takes to do it. Have you ever been so exhausted by a circumstance and a situation in life that you said, I don't have it anymore and the Bible makes it clear that the strength comes from the Lord because what we do in ourselves is we say I've done everything I can it's not working I quit God doesn't want you to quit he wants you to say I give it over to God I'm not giving up on this I'm recognizing I don't have the strength in me so I got to find it from the one who's able to give me what I do not have I've got to allow myself to sleep in him that I've got to know that in my weakness it is when his strength is made perfect the enemy wants to tell you it's too late this won't work it's never going to change it's always going to be like that and you get so exhausted so tired and you come to a place you say I give up don't give up you might want to say I turn over I give it over listen Paul knew this feeling in 2 Corinthians Paul says I've got this thorn in the flesh I want this thorn to be gone he says I asked three times and every time he asked here's what the Lord replied to him the Lord said this he said to me my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities what's he saying my strength is made perfect in you when you're in your weakness You know what, when you're weak, when you're tired, you just feel like going to sleep. I I don't picture this as just a, oh, this is nice, go to sleep. I picture this as kind of a sleeper hold that says, okay, tap out, I turn over, I submit, you win. You get that? This isn't a, hey, Adam, la, 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 go to sleep. No, this is, I believe that sometimes God will take us through moments. It's like, I've done everything I can. I've tried. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I don't have what it takes. And God says, that's all right, because the moment you're done is the moment I can step in. Life is about discovering. And here's what we do. We try to find things to give us strength. We make our destiny, we try to find a destiny, something that will give us strength. Well, if I do this, then it will feel better. If I try this, if I do this, and all the while, God says, all you need is not outside of you. All you need is already inside you. If you will just rest in me. If you'll allow me to be your rest. Listen to what it says there. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I will boast more gladly in my infirmities. What? That the power of Christ may, say it again, the power of Christ may, one more time, the power of Christ may rest. rest. How many know that when something comes to rest on you, it's not resistance? When something comes to rest on you, it's submission. When we come to that place and we say, God, I submit to what it is that you are wanting to accomplish in my life. The discovery, I'm trying to find whatever I can to reach a destination. And God's saying, I don't want you to arrive to a destination. I want you to come to a discovery. And the discovery is this, that I'm all that you need. Only I can meet your needs. Only I can provide for you. Only I. Your life has got to be wrapped up in Jesus Christ because he alone is able to meet the needs that surround us. The moment we come to rest, listen, what happens to Adam whenever he rests. The Bible says that as he falls asleep and he's laying there, 
God takes from his side. Notice this. God took something from Adam. I want you to catch this. If we're going to be all dressed in white, a bride pleasing, a church pleasing to God, Adam had to come to a place of rest and allow something to be taken from him so that what was taken from him would be used to create something miraculous, something wonderful. When you come to a place of rest, there's two types of brides. There's two types of brides. The bride that comes to the altar and says, I am what I am, it is what it is, take it or leave it. Or the bride that comes and says, I'm laying down who I am, take what needs to be taken, do what needs to be done. From In our lives, listen, I'm talking of this, all of us, in our lives, that when we come to God and we say to God, God, take, I know I need something to change in my life, but in order for this to work, you might need to take something from me. You might need to take something from me in order for this, this situation to work. In order for this need to be met, something might have to be taken from me in order for this situation to be met. Does that make sense to anybody? Because sometimes what we could do is say, God, I want you to fix this situation. Don't do anything to me. Change everything around me. God, don't touch me. God, I want my marriage to change. Make sure you change that other person. I'm good. God, I want my finances to change. Just give me more money. I don't want to change the way I spend. I don't want to change how I'm doing things. I don't want to change this. No, just change, change everything else around me. Don't, 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 don't get on side of me. I, I don't want that. I don't want you to take that. I don't want to, no, I don't want that. But how many know it was the moment that he, when Adam recognized his need, he fell asleep and God took what needed to be taken. I want you to know he's a God who is trustworthy. When you let him take what needs to be taken, he took from Adam and created, listen, he created a Eve, he created Eve for him and the helpmate that was needed. And notice she wasn't created from the dirt like everything else was. Adam was, but this helpmate came from the side. God used, Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The provision that God gave came from within. Listen, I want you to hear this. The provision that you need, don't call it a destiny and settle. Don't say, if only I get to this place. Because if Adam would have just looked for something from the dirt, how many know he would have settled when God said, I want you to see that I've got something greater and better for you, that what you really need can only be found when you let my presence rest upon you and you let me operate and work in your life. I'll take from your life, but give you in return something of far greater blessing, something of provision. I'll meet your need better than you could ever imagine. Does that make sense to anybody? You're going through a circumstance in life, and you say, God, I'm exhausted. I can't figure this out. I don't know how to work this out. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I can't take it anymore. I'm tired. I'm weary. I feel like giving up. God says, that's all right. You need to fall asleep and let my spirit rest in you and let my spirit take from you what needs to be taken so that I can produce in you what needs or from you what needs to be produced. Is that all right? Because when that rest comes upon us, You know, the hardest thing is trusting God. God, I trust you. But what we tend to do is, God, I give up. 
God, you're going to have to change all this around me. I'm done. I'm not doing anymore. I can't take it anymore. I'm not working on it anymore. I'm not believing you anymore. I'm not going to trust you anymore. And God might say, what you thought was trusting me really wasn't trusting me. It was trusting your own efforts. When you say to God, God, I've trusted you and it's not working, God would really say to you, no, you've been trusting in your own image of what you thought I was supposed to do. And because I didn't become the God you wanted me to be, you're rejecting the God that, I'm called, that I am to you. Because I'm not doing it the way you wanted it. And when you say, God, I trusted you, God said, no, you didn't. You were trusting your own image, your own idea of how this was supposed to work. You're trusting in your own ways. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. We tend sometimes to say we're trusting God, when in reality, what we really mean to say is I'm believing God's going to do this the way I want it done. And when it doesn't happen the way I want it done, God, I trusted you. Is that really trust? That's really trust, huh? Hey, I trusted that this plane, I got on a plane one time, and, and uh, in fact, it was uh, one of the, uh, was heading to Guatemala, uh, I believe it was, and we went so far out of the way. I'm thinking, this makes no sense. We went north to catch another plane so that we could go south, and the way you look at it, it wasn't the right way. But I knew enough that when I got up north to New York City, I wasn't going to get out at New York City and say, this plane was supposed to take me to Guatemala. It's not going in the right direction. I'm out of here. You didn't get me where I'm supposed to go, and so I'm getting off in New York. Now, how many know the problem is I may not have been in Guatemala, but how many know being left in New York is even worse than not being where I thought I was supposed to be? I jump off because I'm saying, I, I don't trust this. This isn't working. And we jump off in the process. And all the while, faith says, I've got to hold on and believe that what he's doing. Why? Because I'm discovering something along the way. I'm not ready to head straight there because I've got to learn something in this place. I've got to develop something. I'm not ready for God to meet my need because I don't even know what I really need yet. I can't even, my need can't even be met because I don't even know what I need. And all the while, what I really need is God. And it, here's the short, shortcut answer that sometimes takes us a long time to get to. Here's the shortcut answer. Jesus Christ is all I need. Jesus Christ is all I need. How many know that that's the true answer, but sometimes it takes us a journey and a, and a process to get to that discovery? You ever find that out? I look for it in this place. I look for it there. I look for it there. Things aren't happening. It's not working. And I blame God because my marriage isn't working. I blame God because his circumstance isn't turning out. I blame God. And here's the problem with blaming God. You're blaming God because that didn't work out. And the problem is that you didn't really trust God. You trusted that circumstance as your God. You made that thing, that person, that circumstance, that situation, you've made that your God. And when that God didn't act the way you wanted it to act, all of a sudden you're mad at God because the God you made out of something else didn't do what you thought it could do. But if you really know who God is, God is the one who's overall, who's in charge of all, who's good enough to work everything out in our life. If we really know who God is, we get off the throne and say, God, I'm going to let you, I'm going to fall asleep and let you take over right now. I'm going to let you be God. In this circumstance, I'm going to let you be God in what I'm going through. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and help us close this morning. You, can, you don't have to put your Bible away or notes if you're taking, because I want you to hear this this morning as we close, that God, God is 
wanting us to arrive to a discovery, not to a destination, but to have a discovery that he's all that we need. He could have made, Adam, could have made Eve right away, but Adam had to come to a place and realize, hey, this isn't working. And I don't even have the strength in myself. Adam came to a place that he knew he had a need. But of all the resources that were around him, there was nothing he could do to meet that need. Have you come to the place today that you know that there might be something that needs to change in your life? But you recognize that all the resources you've got, all the relationships, everything that's around you, you don't have what it takes to meet the need. And you don't even have it in you. And God says you're missing out because if you'll recognize that in your, in your weakness is when I can step in, if you'll just rest. If you'll rest. If you'll rest. Adam came to the place. He said, I don't have it. And he submitted. He said, okay, I rest. And then God took from him. But notice what he did then. Whenever he saw the woman, he said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And the Bible says then, this explains why a man, and by man, this is general, but in this case, speaking of a man, but it's man or woman in, this, in, in any sense. He says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Why? They're joined together because the two have now become one. Isn't that a miracle? If you're sitting next to your spouse, squeeze their hand and just tell them, we're a miracle, baby. We, we are a miracle. We are a miracle. I, two become one. You didn't do that. Everything in you fights to be your individual self. Two becoming one is only a work that the Holy Spirit, which by the way, the marriage, God didn't just say one day, you know what, it'd be kind of good to have a husband and wife. They can, you know, have fun together and do stuff together and, and make babies. That'd be a great idea. God had more behind it than just to procreate the earth. He said, I want to put on earth a picture of what I have in heaven. I want the marriage to be a picture of what I've designed. I want them to see that two become one, that they're tightly connected, that the two are so intertwined that there's a tight relationship, that the same way when we come to Christ we came to that moment and Jesus met us and how many know the moment he met us we left our sin and we started coming to him we took on his name how many know what I'm saying we took his name on and we said we belong to him and we began this process someone said this you and God can never be one until you and two you and sin are two you and God can never be one until you and sin are two until we leave what was there, we cannot come to God. That we've got to identify this place. And we come to a place of knowing our need. And the more we recognize our need from God or for God, the more easily we'll let go of the stuff we've been trying to make our God. Did you catch that? Does that make sense? Whenever we recognize our need for God, we will start letting go and disconnecting from the stuff we have tried to make our God. You've been looking for your acceptance, your approval, your appreciation. You're trying to find it in your job. You're trying to find it in a relationship. You're trying to find it in some form of identity. And all the while, God says, I gave you myself. I gave you myself that I'm all you need. The King James Version says it this way, that a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. He'll cleave. 
Now that word cleave means this. It means to, to follow closely. To be joined tightly together. To cleave. To follow closely. I, I love it. It says to stick to. There's sometimes I go shopping and uh, Jody and I were shopping in the same place. Neither of us are real big shoppers, but when we go, I'm going with her at, at times and I'll follow around and, and we're going shopping. And I got to be honest with you. The only reason I'm there is because I'm with her. I'm not looking at what's on the rack. I don't see what's around. I'm not shopping. I'm with her. And there are moments that I'm just there and I'm kind of observing, but I'm following my wife and I'll get there and I'll either look at my phone and there are times where she's shopping. She'll say to me, she says, uh, honey, can you back up a little bit? I need some room here. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I just didn't. I wasn't taken by what was on the, the shelf. I didn't even see what was for sale. I didn't even notice what was around. You had my attention. My reason for being here is to be with you. I didn't come shopping for something else. I don't have any other purpose than in this moment. I just came because you're here. I wonder when is it in our heart with God that we say to God, God, you're enough for me. I'm not here to look for something else. You're everything I need. I'm here because you're here. You're enough for me. I'm stuck to you. I'm tight with you. And how many know that the tighter you are, the harder it is for something to come in and separate you? When you're tightly joined together, when you're made one with Christ, it's hard for something to come in and get away from you. But anytime you start letting something separate you, there's a reason why affairs happen in marriage. Because somewhere someone convinced themselves that something better, something I need, something that would fulfill my need is out there. I'm not just talking about relational affairs. There are some people who have affairs with their jobs. They have affairs with their hobbies. They have affairs with things that are around them because they're so caught up in other stuff. And Jesus, instead of being the one, becomes one of many. Church, that's the danger of the bride in these last days. That Jesus is not the one that we belong to. He's just the one of many that we associate with. Is that all right if I say that today? But in a good, healthy marriage, how many know we walk tighter and closer? Right? In this walk with Jesus Christ, we walk tighter, we walk closer. We walk to a place of intimacy, of knowing Him, that nothing can separate. If you stood at an altar to get married, you may have said these words as an affirmation of engagement. You may have affirmed in your heart this engagement, this intertwining, something to engage is to be joined to, to connect to. You may have said these words as a preacher looked at you and said, do you receive this other person to be your wedded husband or spouse or, or, or wife? Do you commit to honor, to love in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, in good times and bad? But listen, forsaking all others and keeping yourself only unto him as long as you both shall live. If so, answer, I do. I wonder, church, have we, the bride of Christ, said, I'm going to forsake myself from all others. 
keeping myself only unto you, belonging to you, so tightly tied to you that you are the one that I'm committed to, that I am giving my life and my love relationship is all wrapped up in Jesus. Is your life all wrapped up in knots with him? Listen, if you have your Bibles in in Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to close with this scripture. Colossians chapter 2. Everybody okay? You all right? Colossians chapter 2, listen. Here it is. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to what? Follow him. You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and the truth you were taught, in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, I want you to see this. Number one, you will overflow with thankfulness when you are into Christ and on Christ. When you're rooted in Christ and you're built on Christ. You will overflow with thankfulness. Listen, thankfulness is an indicator of you knowing what you need to know. When you discover what you need to discover, there becomes a thankfulness. But there's a weariness when you're trying to still reach the destination. When it's all about a destination and you're trying to get there and you're trying to get to the destination, it's hard to be thankful because you're weary. But when you discover that Jesus is all you need, you begin to have a thankfulness because even though something might be going on around you that might not go the way you want it, you say, oh, I was supposed to be disappointed right now. I forgot I was all wrapped up in Jesus. Oh, I'm supposed to be pitiful right now. I'm supposed to be mourning. I'm supposed to be weeping. I'm supposed to be overwhelmed by grief. I forgot. I was a little wrapped up in Jesus. Oh, I was supposed to come to a place of frustration and feel like giving up. I forgot because I was all wrapped up in Jesus. Here is a peace of God that passes all understanding. What does he say? That will keep your heart and mind until the day of Christ Jesus. When we get all wrapped up in him. Thankfulness. Gratitude overflows my mom taught me how to tie my shoes I still remember but I don't remember completely the the little story thing she did I just know it had something like this it was you take these two strings and and then you you cross them over and then something about a bunny some bunny came into the whole story I don't understand what the bunny had to do with anything I'm like can we just like cross the the strings and do what we got to do but no there's a bunny and then the bunny the bunny goes in the hole and then you pull those two strings and then that darn bunny goes around the tree too and then after he goes around the tree then you take that other one and you pull it and all of a sudden you got a knot all because that crazy bunny went in around and on and under and that bunny went all over this place and made a knot listen what Paul says that your roots will go into Christ and that your life be built on. 
he's saying this, that you would get in him, around him, over him, that you get so wrapped up and so tied up in a knot over Jesus that nothing can separate you. There's nothing that can come your way that you've come to this discovery that the two become one. Why? Because I saw a need and I submitted to his working. He did a work in me and created something that I needed and now I'm holding on to him even tighter than I held on before because I'm all tied up in a knot over Jesus Christ. I'm all wrapped up in him. I'm all wrapped up in his promise and in his word. But sometimes we get all wrapped up in our worry. Sometimes we get all wrapped up in it's not going the way we want. Why? Because we're focused on a destiny more than a discovery. Don't worry about a destiny of getting where you want to be. Worry about a discovery to know he's everything you need. Does that make sense? Is that even worthwhile this morning? Can you take that with you today? That life is all about being wrapped up in Jesus. Everything you need for life and for godliness, Jesus has already given you. He's coming for a bride. It's all wrapped up in him. That he's not just one of many. He's the only one. Do you believe that today?